And we and we are back. Welcome back to another edition of the Daily Dots. You just caught us mid-thought. We were just laughing. Even on a tape that ugly, you still get an end-of-day rally on the big caps. Just but just buy the dip. I mean, talk about which is funny today, just because you, you with that inflation report. Anyway, I'm jumping ahead. Um, I, it's just a funny day because the market reacts much like we thought it would, which is first half of the day. The reaction makes a lot of sense, especially you put it in the backdrop of what you're looking at. At the same time, no matter how bad the news is, you know the degenerates are going to go in there and buy the clothes. Uh, they just can't help themselves. Just buy a dip in tech, you know. Um, at the same time, I think the funniest part about the day is the Fed. Like, it, and and if you've listened to us for long enough, you know we're not we're not taking a victory lap here. We're not the, speak for yourself, okay? But we're just trying to point out how stupid and transparent this is, right? Two dudes. You, I'm Pacific Lutheran University. Your University of Houston. I personally think they're two of the most prestigious institutions in the world. I think we'd have a hard time getting a lot of people to back that up. But but I don't say this to brag, and you and I have said it many times. What scares me is that you and I can sit back eight to 12 months prior and handicap the situation almost to the month, and they don't see it. They, it, It's not me sitting there saying how smart we are. It's me sitting there saying the fact that we're right consistently rather than these guys is terrifying to me. It's terrifying. How do they not get – I mean, hey, and th- this is mostly your work, and I proudly with no apologies piggyback the living heck out of your work. So when you just feel your back aching at any point during the day and you can't figure out why, <laughs> it's because I'm just riding you like a rented mule. But Well, the, the good news is you are renting me, so it all works out. Yeah, I guess I sort of am. I would kind of like to view it as more of a lease to own kind of thing. You know, it's, I don't want to see you going anywhere, man. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I – um, I, you know, it. you just – I don't know how, I mean, I I think you and I are probably on the same page, but you're watching it all year last year and you're sitting there going, wait a second, you guys are still pumping. You're going to reignite this thing. What do they know that we don't? And then you, then you, you kind of start questioning. You're like, well, I must be the, it doesn't understand this. And then it rolls out exactly like we thought, meaning you juice asset prices, you loosen financial. Here you go again. You haven't done anything to address the animal spirits. They need to realize that people are like sugar high right now. And if you don't know, go tack, go just talk to the average investor out there, preferably somebody that's investing in the market. You know, maybe somebody's doing some real estate investments on the side. You know, that 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 kind of gambler friend that's always bragging to you about his new deal he's got. Go talk to that guy. Okay. He still thinks that this is prime investing territory. Right. And how they think that they can arrest this without any pain to the I just I don't understand what the thought is. If I didn't know better and you were just showing me what Fed policy was. I will. I I feel like, and I've used this term before, but it feels to me like Icarus. They're just fly, they're just trying to fly as close as they can to the sun, selling themselves on the idea that it's just going to result in being golden bronzed. You know that their wings aren't going to melt, and it looks to me like the wings are melting right in front of us. Yeah. So we we went from Jay Powell famously over a year ago at Jackson Hole saying that they would have to have pain, aka unemployment, labor labor market pain. And then we went all the way to, no, you know what? We're going to have a soft landing. We don't have to have pain. Inflation's gone away without it. And then today, I would I would argue, now it's just one month, but the CPI kind of shows you, no, 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 you're going to need some pain because all the wage-sensitive inflation that's out there um, kind of ripped back to the upside today. So 
what the Fed's been saying is like, okay, we need a couple more months of this and it needs to broaden out. Like it needs to be not just goods disinflation, but like, let's, let's get more into services. So today's print, not only did it not keep going down because it went back up, but it also did not at all broaden out. So you have, yeah, energy and goods are doing their part. Um, but nothing else is. So services, core services, shelter, services, ex shelter, you name it, it went back up on a three month, six month annualized basis, nine month, however you want to look at it. Hey, and guys, which is how they've been looking at it. Hey, and guys, that's with seventy five dollar oil. It, it, yeah, that's the point I was gonna make. What what we really what we really just had was a, a deflationary shock in China that allowed goods prices to go down for the last six months and we had a big pullback in oil that allowed oil to go down for the last six months. They took those two things and they just extrapolated them. And the, the cost of doing that and doing the pivot into, you know, the biggest financial condition shock really we've ever seen, um, this is what happens. I mean, you get really hot data and you get a reacceleration of inflation. Um, and now we've gone from we're going to have seven hikes to under four um, in like a month. So and obviously the market doesn't care yet and the market probably isn't going to care unless rates keep violently moving higher and the dollar keeps violently moving higher. Um, and then all of a sudden it's, it's just going to have to care. Um, we'll, we'll see how it goes, but let me run through the recap real fast. Cause we haven't even done that yet. Um, at one point we were down about 2% on the S and P today, but as you mentioned, pretty violent rally into the close finished down 1.37. The queue's down 1.57. It's funny, yesterday I said, hey, I wouldn't be surprised if the Russell had a really nasty negative day because I had a big positive day yesterday, down over 4% today. MAG7 down 1.85. Uh, regional banks down 4.2. Um, we had a pretty decent spike in volatility, but like everything else, it faded into the day. The VIX was up like 25 plus percent at one point, closed up about 14%. Good Lord. Yeah. And dollar, dollar. 35 bip rally into the close is worth the VIX getting smashed by 50. Now, spot VIX is kind of crazy. I mean, you March, I think March VIX futures were still, they're still up 7%. So that's, no, but, that's a but, strong move. No, but I think that the day, if you look at the close, considering the announcements, considering the backdrop, look at the move at the VIX. I think it does tell you something about the, where this market, these investors are still full risk on. Appetite. Yeah. I mean, we talk about pressure a lot. My pressure gauge, dollar rates, oils, dollar 0.7, the 10 year 13 basis points and oil up 1%. So, I mean, that that's the pressure continues to build there. Yeah. And here's one thing, regardless of where we go on the year, the one thing I will say, I, 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 I think it is really fair to say that this might be the most risk blind market of all time. Meaning I, and I'm not saying I think something imminent is really happening horrible right now is, I'm saying there's just there's so little risk priced in and it's everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just weird to see it like that. Meaning, but you and I talked about it, and I think this is an interesting point to bring up. I will be really surprised if you don't at least hear rumors about more bank stress in the next couple of weeks. And I wouldn't be surprised to see another bank go under. Hundred percent. Here's the question. I think we're in a perverse enough place to ask this question. Does another bank going under rally the market or drop it? Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Um, I think you can I, make an argument you should buy everything on yeah. a bank collapse. I don't think I don't really think there's any two ways about it. And it's funny because the BTFP is actually going away next month. 
um, was which which yeah makes things a little awkward. They're gonna have to do some sort of liquidity facility if they're not gonna cut. Um, and, and currently we're showing the cuts not happening until the back half now. So and guys, the other thing too, man, I don't want to be, I don't want to be over the top and, and like too professorial here, but just if you, if you don't do this for a living and you just kind of learned, th- this is what we've been talking about for so long saying that this is, if you continue down this path, this is where you eventually end up. You end up where you're out of good choices. And it's just like life, right? If you don't make a choice, making not making a choice is making a choice. And you're just giving up optionality. And you're putting yourself in a position where the choice will be made for you. And it's never as good when you get to that point. The same is true in markets. The same is true in economics. The same is true with feds and central banks, right? And that's where you're at. And watching, and I just think it's an especially... Uh, dangerous point for investors because I don't know if asset price information has ever been more misleading in terms of what potential risks there were out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, and part of it is also just kind of learning the way these things work and, and realizing when something is unsustainable and you keep going back to that lever, you're going to run into a problem. Right, which is just we're going to paper over everything. Well, eventually you're going to run into a situation that papering over only hurts. Yeah, hundred percent. And you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to pick. And we'll go back to what I was ranting and we were talking about a year and a half ago. Hey, a little mild three quarter recession doesn't seem like a big deal right now, does it? Because because just like we talked about them trying to be too cute and fly too close to the sun, they've ushered in a much worse outcome potential potentially. Yeah, no, and I'm sure their internal discussions are starting to get a little, you know, a little worried. Like, oh, like maybe we haven't put that fire out yet. Um, which is why you don't extrapolate that. You know, I, I was fine with extrapolating six months of inflation until you had asset prices go to the moon. Then you just you just change the entire equation. So they 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 really have to find a way to stop over communicating um, support. Dude, here's what's so confusing about them. I don't even know if they know what the game plan is from one quarter to the next. No, at they, one they point, at one point, this requires pain. At the next point, you want to believe you arrested inflation with three point six percent unemployment, four and a half percent growth, and the S and P at all time highs. How can you possibly believe those two things in an eighteen month period of time? Or unless or, you know nothing. Not to mention saying, "Oh, bonds did the tightening for us," and then bonds give it all back, and they don't say, "Oh, well, bonds undid the tightening for us." They just like, "Oh, no, it's cool now." Or how you're going to try to stimulate inflation for 15 years by targeting asset prices, but then believe you can arrest in you can arrest inflation while not targeting asset prices? How does that work? Yeah, it doesn't. As we're as we're finding out in real time, I, I don't even know if these guys were like a general. I don't even know what doctrine they adhere to. I don't think they do. I don't think there's anything consistent that they think. I literally think they're playing whack a mole. It's just ad hoc. The whole thing is. Just it is. A it's all nonsense. It, it is totally the shaman that are leading the the people completely blind. And in this case, I think you'd be far better off if you put seven to nine fund managers up there than you would these idiots. I, and, and look, I'm, I, I'll, I'll call them that. Oh, you're being mean to these people. They have a really tough job. Yeah, they do have a tough job and they're really bad at it. Like, how do you not get it? You, the, and, and, and I think the tell is just, they don't make any sense. For 15 years, we're targeting asset prices to generate inflation. And now you think you can arrest inflation without bringing down asset prices. 
when you said a year prior in Jackson Hole, there's going to be pain. you're not even consistent one quarter of the next. Yeah, it's going to be really awkward for the market when they have to come out and say, hey, remember that pain thing? That's back on. Because that's what they're going to have to do. Now, they might wait till you get another... You know, hot report, but hey, oil is starting to go up, gasoline starting to go up. So, like, you're going to lose the ability to count on energy deflation. Now, they may just point to core and, and say, "Oh, well, who cares about oil?" Just point to core. But two years ago, Powell pointed to headline, and he was clearly worried about headlines. So, I, politically, at least, you're not going to get away with ignoring headlines. So, it, I could easily see oil making this real awkward for them in the next, you know, six months to a year. Um, they're going to have to reintroduce the pain part of this. The A lot of people, are, and by a lot of people, I mean almost everybody in the market is going to have to kind of let go of the whole soft landing, no landing narrative because it's it's going to be a, yeah, like growth is doing great, the economy is doing great, but like, but actually that's the problem, which you and I have talked about a lot in the show. Like the worst thing that could happen is, is to ha- let the economy go running um, and then just assume you have inflation like like that is going to be your problem. I also don't like I just I think that is so I think we're in such a weird place. And it, you've alluded to this many times. And I think that you're even more right than you think you are, which I think people the, the minute we're in an inflationary environment, I think we have a very hard time understanding that. Meaning you look at the numbers the Fed is reporting. Yes, those numbers look great. You look at the real underlying economy. I don't think a lot of things look great. I think inflation really clouds that picture. Meaning, you know, we say four and a half percent growth is great because traditionally it is, but I don't believe in an economy this large. You can even, I don't think four and a half percent growth is sustainable without substantial inflation. I just don't think it is not an economy this size. And, uh, And I just think people have a really hard time understanding that. I also, and I don't want to speak for you, so you can certainly, you know, offer a retort to this. But to be clear, I don't think that this leads to the ultimate level of a giant 50 to 60% market collapse. I I think we're just inching closer to the Fed finally having to admit we will will now, and they probably never say it. I I don't know. Maybe they'll never actually say it, but quietly or tacitly, allowing for a higher target inflation. They, you, you can't, I, I, I just think the day, I, another thing I think is ridiculous is that they think that they can have the same inflation target post COVID that they did before. I think that's, that is sophomoric to me. If, if Congress going to keep doing what they're doing with the budget, just that just doesn't make any sense. If you're going to keep, you know, reindustrializing and, and reshoring on at any scale that matters at all, like, sorry, like, and, and I would argue personally that demographics are pretty inflationary. So all of that being considered, um, yeah, no, like, and, and if we are having a, a productivity uptrend, I won't say boom, but if we're having a productivity uptrend, like, it's just another factor here where it's like, like, you, you, you put all that together in the same stew, like, you, you need to accept the fact that two and a half, three, three and a half percent inflation is going to be more normal than one and a half. The other thing I think, man, and you and I talked about this for years too. Uh, 
I think that we're starting to see the impacts of, for the broader part, the millennial generation finally becoming economically mobilized. I was thinking about that the whole drive home yesterday. Um, COVID, for whatever reason, I feel like kind of served as the shoehorn that finally got them active and inserted into the economy. So on Real Vision in the early days, like 2018 probably, I still lived in Sacramento, so it was a long time ago. Um, I remember listening to a couple guys, demographers, just went on and on with with conviction about how the economy was going to boom in the 2020s because of millennials coming of age and and like forming households and spending money and everything. And because I've been thinking nonstop lately, all, and remember, like I'm missing something, and that could be it. And all the bears were all oh, the millennials. They're a lost generation. And I remember you and I having the conversation. Go, guys. Can you please tell me another time where the old generation didn't say the young generation was never going to get it together? Right. right? That always gets exactly. said. It was said about the baby boomers for crying out loud, right? The millennials are larger and then you just washed them with cash. They got their first taste of freedom. That cash bump allowed a lot of them to finally move out of the basement. 100%. And I don't think you're going to get that toothpaste back in the tube. The problem is, is all of it flies in the face of what the Fed what they're doing, meaning if that is what's happening, that alone, forget about your two and a half percent. The whole thing is a ruse. Okay, We, they, we ain't going back to two and a half percent real, real. And the only way we do is if the numbers are being fudged. It, it, like it, if you get back to two and a half percent inflation, I don't like <laughs> I think things would look ugly. Yeah, yeah I would argue. Yeah, you, you need it to be higher. I don't think you can sustain these debt levels with two and a half percent inflation. No, and, and you, you need to cut rates and just kind of let it run, we, like, just like we talked about yesterday. If you use the Fed's metrics, when you look at our fiscal budgets and you look at that issue, 2.5%, we, we, we're done. You have to have higher inflation rates than that. Yeah, unless you want to raise taxes, and, and that obviously they don't. So. And, well, and how much raise them? I mean, yeah. they, they, that's not an option, like not, not on the magnitude that it would take to fill in that hole. I, I think, I think it, you, you could easily – buy yourself 10, 10 years tomorrow with some decent tax tax, tax hikes. Well, not without a significant economic cost. Oh yeah, it would have a cost. Then this and is and, and to, to MMT's point, like that's how you that's how you should curb inflation. And, and and the Fed is still talking as if there's a way out of this. And you look at them and go, no, no, guys, the bill is coming due. You got to pick how you want to pay it: cash, credit, or or in house financing. Right? Like, <laughs> what you, you're gonna, you, but you got to pay it. Yeah. You're either going to pay it through a nasty recession and a painful default cycle or much higher rates of inflation. There is no other way. And, and you and I have been talking about this for five years, longer than that, just saying. Sure. And, and it's just wild to see it finally happening where you can see the vice tightening where they need to cut and they can't. Yeah, which is really awkward. And it gets and it's awkward for the budget, too, because hey, talk about a group of people that really need to spend some time looking into game theory, for God's sake. You know what I'm saying? Watching them continually do this, it is just – the arrogance of those people, I, I, I don't know – I don't know them, so you hate to make a judgment like that. But what else do you chalk this? This is just idiocy. It, yeah, a lot of it, it – it, it reminds me of like political cycle stuff where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa I, don't, I don't care about like our stra- strategy for 20 years from now because like, I'm trying to get reelected. You no, know, like, you know, it's the same thing where it's just like, whatever, I'm just trying to get to the next quarter with the economy intact. But- you, you know what it reminds me of? And, and your daughter's still really young, but it reminds me of watching these parents 
these quote unquote, what I refer to as modern parents, they just think they were put on this earth to say yes to everything. And you sit there and you watch these little beasts and it's not the kid's fault. Beasts. No, but they just act like beasts and they talk to you like you're in their way. They got no respect for adults, all this. And you look at it and you're like, whew, that's going to be a treat in 10 years to deal with, right? It's like the feds the same way. Just they, 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 they continue to believe that they can just say yes and acquiesce and get the easy way out of everything. And you go, how can you be your age and think that that's a viable solution? Right? How do you not know that refusing to take the medicine ensures the fact that you're going to have to swallow a much larger and much bitter portion of it at some point in the not too distant future? The crazy thing is they've they've themselves been warning about that. Like the worst thing we could do is to cut too soon and have this thing reaccelerate on us. Like, but it's like lip service. They, they, they've they, all fallen for. They don't think pumping liquidity into the market is stimulative. You can't I, look. Where do you even start with a group of people that won't acknowledge that? You didn't cut yeah. rates. Well, we thought the rate, you didn't raise rates. Oh, yes, we did. No, you sterilized it. They did. Since October 2022, they sterilized it. Like I said, it's like chew, it's like eating an Oreos and chew it and, and brushing your teeth at the same time. <laughs> right? You're undoing it as quick as you're like, it, it, it's a speaking of business idea, Oreo flavored toothpaste. I'd buy that. I could be convinced. <laughs> Like a cookies and cream, if they could isolate that. If anybody knows the good folks at uh, Johnson & Johnson, get us hooked up. This is, it's, this is how podcasts turn into businesses, people. You're watching <laughs> it right in real time here. All right. What else we got coming up this week? Oh, same as we talked about yesterday. So tomorrow we got mortgage applications. Don't care. Um, Thursday, Empire State and Philly Fed Manufacturing. And most importantly, retail sales that day. We'll have also have jobless claims and, and uh, home builder sentiment. Friday, housing permits and starts, PPI and, and uh, UMish. Uh, I, I would say the, the clear cut, most important thing the rest of the week, though, retail sales on, on Thursday. If that's hot, I mean, just watch out. I, 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 I will be surprised if it's not. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing a really consistent see it being mediocre, but but I can't imagine it being too bad. Well, and here's the risk you got right now, and this is one of the reasons that we're talking about this is just think about it, right? Like the Fed is already like that, that's the they're already boxing themselves in the corner, meaning you know what they're not gonna say anything like over the next two weeks? They're not gonna say anything dovish. I mean they, yeah, they, they can't. No. They just can't. I, they're getting boxed in the corner, and it just amazes me they don't see it. And truthfully, I think they still have time. I think they could come and get real tough with markets. And oh, yeah, 100%. Beat, they haven't cut anything yet, right? Beat this thing down 20 25%, right? Get people to pull in the, you know, maintain cuts a little bit longer. And I think they could still buy themselves time to cut in time where they don't have a crap show on their hands later this year. Because that's the other thing. And I keep bringing it up. And I don't – I again, we say oh, we're not the Uber bears. If you're listening to us, you should know that by now. But this whole rate thing and commercial real estate thing – it is coming down the pike. It doesn't matter what you do. And every day you stay here and look at the back end of the curve today, it's going back up. That's their refi rate on this stuff, guys. So every day this happens, you're blowing more holes in bank balance sheets. Right. And that's why small caps down 4% because that floating rate debt is just such a noose for everyone that needs needs to refi anytime soon or needs to you know get that nasty 5% rate off their back. So like you said, I just can't like you look at them and go, for God's sake, guys, quit. 
a recession fix all of these problems for you. Just let it flip and happen. Yeah. Because I don't really see any other way out. I, I honestly, I look at the other outcomes at, I, and I think we're there, Chase. I think that the other options you're looking on the table are worse than a mild recession. Uh, yeah. What, to me, what you do is, is you let Janet just plug the market with, with coupons to where the 10 and 30 year you know, are up to like five, five and a half and it cools everything else down. Like if you're not going to do it with, with your own balance sheet and you're not like at least, at least do that. Right. Or you're going to, you're going to just overheat into a problem. Yeah, no. And they, and they're there. They're yeah, there. Yep. They need to cut and they can't. Inflation's already reaccelerating. Yep, they need to cut and they can't. And this is exactly what we were warning about last year. And I don't, again, I don't, we're not saying that to brag. We're saying that to shit. If, if we're handicapping it better than the fed, we've all got problems. Yeah. Anyway. All right, guys. Well, hope thanks for joining us again today. Hopefully you'll stay. Look, it's going to keep getting more interesting. This is why we signed up to do the dots. I'm actually glad we did this in retrospect because it, I mean, it, this is the kind of thing you want to be documenting. So hopefully you'll continue taking this trip with us until tomorrow. We'll see you then. You're listening to know your risk radio podcast, download and subscribe to know your And also did a really good interview that I just, again, I'm not to pump my own horn here, but I just think we covered a lot of great stuff. And Marcos is such a good, calm mind with a lot of experience to listen to that that interview released this week. You guys won't want to miss that. Again, not buying a paywall, so it doesn't cost you anything. So uh, uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, listen to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download, subs- download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.